Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Gals Chat Podcast. This is your co-host, Amy. And this is your co-host, Lara. In today's episode of the podcast, we're interviewing Vishaka Malia, who is going to talk to us about her journey as an engineer, CEO, and influencer creating space for LGBTQ plus and POC creators. This episode is sponsored by Steel Chic Shoes, who offer women's fashionable steel toe shoes. Not only are they certified to meet OSHA standards, but they are lightweight and comfortable. The shoes are designed to look good and keep you safe so you can confidently walk your own path. Steel Chic has a special offer for all Gals Chat listeners and guests. Use promo code ENGINEERINGGALS to get free shipping and a free water bottle when you purchase a pair of shoes. Now let's introduce this week's guest. Vishaka is a cybersecurity technical account manager, computer scientist, and former tech startup founder. Parallel to tech, Vishaka is an influencer and CEO of an influencer agency, Devi Cartel, which specializes in monetizing LGBTQ plus and POC creators. Hey V, how are you? Good, how are y'all? I'm really excited to be here. Same. We're really like jumping out of our seats, literally like, yay, we got Vishaka on the podcast. (laughs) I swear, I think you mentioned her name like at the beginning of like the podcast when we first started like in the winter. I think like when we got Mary on the podcast, I think she also mentioned you. We're like, we should try to get her on. And it's been like, what, how many months? Yeah, it's been quite a few months. (laughs) Y'all DM'd me, but I think coronavirus and stuff was just like... But I'm glad that um, that's actually something like I feel like I've grown so much during the pandemic and where I am now is just I can't even I'm not even close to the person I was before. So I'm glad that I'm being able to share this version of myself with y'all. We're excited. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, I like to just jump right into it. And I know Amy did a little description or kind of bio about yourself, but We're going to allow you to introduce yourself, tell us about yourself, how you got started with engineering and being a CEO and dominating the the influencer industry. Tell us more about it. Yeah. So I am an Indian American, first generation immigrant. I was born in Dallas, but uh, moved to Detroit and I lived in that city for like 13 years. Detroit's like this interesting city with this like huge diverse background it has a lot of culture a lot of music and a lot of like ecosystem and including the automotive industry there so my dad and my mom were both um, IT entrepreneurs in the automotive industry and I am very privileged to have seen them and uh, watched them and took in everything since I've been growing up Um, and being brown is almost like your parents, like you grow up and they're like, okay, you have to be a doctor. You have to be an engineer. You have to be this. And while I was like interested in those things, I was like, I want to be a singer. I'm going to be Hannah Montana. Like I'm going to be the next Britney Spears. I do not care. (laughs) And um, that's what I did. Like I honestly genuinely never thought I'd even end up anywhere near STEM. I was like out of spite being like, I'm not going to do STEM. Like I'm not going to do anything like F math, all this stuff. I just was not having it so much so to the point where like I went to college for singing like I was a vocal performer (laughs) oh I didn't know that 
Yeah. Yeah. Funny side. I was like opera, right? <laughs> I love when people like mention Hannah Montana because I'm like, wait, I was such a huge. I still am. I'm like, I Hannah Montana like motivated me so much, and I'm pretty sure I, like learned to speak English like through her show and like her music. So oh. just a quick side note. <laughs> Yeah, that's I wanted really to. Cool. Like, I wanted to do like, the opera version of her, but um, I don't know. I saw this like funny, weird TikTok somewhere that was like, basically, I'll tell you my story. So, I was this opera singer, and I met this guy who was a geophysicist major, geophysics major, and like, I fell in love with him, and I also fell back in love with science. And then I like after throughout the relationship, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna change into computer science. Like, I can I can sing and stuff still, but like. I really want to learn how to code magic. I just thought it was incredible. And um, throughout high school and middle school, I was on Tumblr. Like I learned how to code first by coding Tumblr pages. So like I love me some social media, like MySpace and Tumblr pages like were my shit. HTML and CSS, I was doing all of that business. And then when I went to high school, like I moved away from Detroit and I moved to Texas. And I was the only Indian person, like me and my sister, didn't know people there. So I made a anonymous Twitter account called Daisy Girl Problems. And it was basically like a meme account on Twitter where I could complain about being brown. And <laughs> that shit grew really fast. I was basically like having brand deals while I was like 15. Um, my parents were like, you can't use social media and like all this stuff. And I'm over here like on Twitter <laughs> phone. Like, the schools and Wi-Fi, like tweeting about how much I hate my parents, like all those funny things. But um, yeah, I I had I made like this kind of little anonymous social media empire on Twitter, and at the same time on Instagram, I was pretending to be a photographer when I was like thirteen. Um, <laughs> Didn't we all? Friends, people who were like <laughs> be photographers. Fast forward fifteen years later, all of us are now like queer influencers who like wow. are huge which is amazing. Like, it's crazy. One of my friends, Seth Sunker, his at is S-E-T-H-S-A-N-K-E-R. We were like friends in high school, like from across the continent. Like we didn't, we never met. Fast forward 15 years later, like we both found each other. We're like, holy fucking shit. We're both like influencers and we're doing what our parents said we shouldn't do. That's so cool. Did you reconnect or was that, did you keep in touch throughout the whole time? Oh, no. We like, we fell out of touch because both of our parents, both of our dads made us delete our social media when we were like sophomores in high school. So we like completely lost touch. Like ever since like 2013, we hadn't spoken. And then out of nowhere, he was TikTok's, um, he was one of TikTok's LGBTQ like stars for their campaign. And I was like, no fucking way. That's Seth. (laughs) (laughs) Like, are you fucking those are like that the best. friendships because it's like i feel like those are the type of friendships that you know are kind of meant to last it's like the type of people that like you know are supposed to be in your life because like they somehow kind of made their way back and i'm like that's exactly good, that's a sign that so i'm actually gonna go to chicago and spend the holidays with him and like do the whole hot cocoa thing because he's never had like northern christmas he's always been from california so Yeah, it's it's crazy how back then I didn't even think like I was just ranting online about how I wasn't able to express myself. And um, yeah, so like that's how I got my introduction into tech was literally just being an angsty teenager, like who could only turn to creation and tech and social media. Um, Yeah, so when I was in high school and I was like, okay, I want to 
like do science again. It was like a no brainer. And then I somehow fell into, this was the funny thing. So there was this like, at my university, we have an accelerator called Red Labs um, at the University of Houston. And it's a like tech startup accelerator and only, only students, professor, faculty, and staff can apply to it. There was a team that my ex-boyfriend's friend was on and they wanted a girl programmer because they wanted a specific grant that only teams with girls on it could get. Um, at that time, I was like newly transferred to computer science. My boyfriend's friend wanted me to do it. Like it was a great opportunity. And so I took it like, mm -hmm. who's going to say no? <laughs> of course you're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, yes. <laughs> Halfway through the accelerator, um, the CEO, the founder, like the main guy of our startup like cussed me out in slack channels in front of everyone because he, like i wasn't anyways because i wasn't physically there like i was like hello i'm at my parents place it's a weekend i'm not working like i am not working right now hello um and he just got super mad about it and i brought it up to the accelerator um the accelerator heads and they were like okay, there's nothing we can do about it. We can give you like a spot at another startup. Like you can start helping them and working for them or you can leave. Like, I was like, that's ridiculous. And then one of the mentors was like, that's ridiculous too. <laughs> and then he was like, I work at South by Southwest. I put on their tech startup pitch competition. Do you want to like work for me? And I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> so, so like the fact that I had gone through that was really shitty, but the fact that I was vocal about it got me an opportunity. And someone else like became an ally for me, like actually became a mentor. Um, and that was like the good part. I've been through some shitty situations, but everything in the end, I've realized that is like, you just have to be vocal about it and share your experiences. And in the end, it'll be okay. So somehow I made it through that. I found my way through the tech startup accelerator, worked my way through South by Southwest, got like five internships in corporate world, whether at like investment banking places. So I like Citigroup investment banking or like pros fintech software or, you know, that, there are so many places I work. But yeah, like I can't really name them right now. But yeah, it's cool. I'm just grateful to have found my found my way. Wow. So that's so interesting. Like your journey first on Twitter to complaining about like your struggles as a brown girl to like now it's it's such a big like how many years ago was that? Like 2011, 2012. 2011. Yeah. yeah. Like a decade like ago. A whole decade. Wow. A decade. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy. She's been at it but for a I while. Feel like, I know. I honestly feel like social media is a great outlet and like you said, connecting you to like-minded people and creating your community. I feel like you've done that through your social media page really well. Absolutely. I would do these like group uvu calls and make these kick chats with like hundreds of kids and you just do like all these uvus and our parents would be like, who are you talking to? And then they'd come on and yell at us. And it was uh, very, very fun. <laughs> Those are great memories. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, like, uh, that's my background. Uh, thanks to social media and an ex-boyfriend, I am now an engineer. Thank that's you for being so transparent <laughs> because, I mean, nothing against, like, the people who have the typical, like, stories of, you know, like, oh, yeah, I, like, was putting together Legos and, like, I was taking things apart when I was a child. You're like, nope. <laughs> I uh, got into this because I was just with this guy and this other situation like trying to hide from my parents and it led me to this 
<laughs> I love that. So okay. can you tell us a little bit more about what do you do right now? So you're a full-time engineer? I'm a, a full-time technical account manager in cybersecurity at Tanium. It is an Andreessen Horowitz portfolio startup company um, that works in like enterprise cybersecurity and endpoint management. I really enjoy it. It's very fulfilling because we're not just, I'm not just working on a product. I'm not just working on a thing. I am working on making my client happy with the tools that my peers are developing and making. It's very fulfilling. I'm able to bring things back to the engineers and say, hey, like, hey, product managers, like this is something I think we need to work on because five of my clients had said they really need this and this is a huge business need. So like, boom, and then they'll like do whatever they need with that. But yeah, I'm basically uh, the middle ground between the client and like engineering. That's pretty cool because you got kind of the best of both worlds, like Miss Hannah Montana sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Earlier, I was mentioning how I worked at a tech startup pitch competition called Hatch Pitch at South by Southwest. When I was there, I like fell in love with like the investing world and startups and cutting edge tech. And I was just like, I want to work at an Andreessen Horowitz portfolio startup company. Like when I was 19, I was adamant, like... I was telling my dad, like, this is my angle. Like, I'm going to work at an Andreessen Horowitz portfolio startup company. Like, that's what I'm going to do. Like, fast forward, and that's where I'm working. And I feel like I just, like, spoke it into existence. I didn't even know a single company on their portfolio. Like, I just said it, and then I got it. Like, it's just, I'm, like, so grateful. I actually met, uh, I actually got referred through social media, which is crazy. I came in contact with another technical account manager at Tanium. And while I was in college, when I was applying for internships, like she was like, hey, you should apply. Like, I'm going to forward your resume over to our hiring manager for our internship. And then I got it. And that's pretty great. Thanks to Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Do you still code and do that type of stuff? Uh, Maybe not in this. I don't know if you do that on, on this job. Yeah, I do. So I'll still do scripting. Um, I do like .NET programming, stuff like that. I'll, some of our clients will like need specific like API access and will need us to like write different integrations into the existing platform and stuff. So it's really like, depending on your client, you could do anything. That's the part that I really like about it. You could be like, if you like writing and you just happen to be like paired up with a client that needs a lot of these proposals or you need to help them build proposals or stuff like that, then like, hey, cool, you really landed in the right spot or like my mentor um he is a computer science professor at my university but he also works at tanium so he'll uh he loves coding and for his clients like he'll just go above and beyond and be like i think this is something you need they're like yes we need this he's like okay i'm gonna make it for you like i don't care and then everyone at tanium is gonna be like cool this is business need this is an actual paying client like let us get you the tools that you need to succeed that's pretty cool. cool That's great energy to like have around or just sounds like a very um, dynamic environment, you know, like just proactive towards like solutions. That's really cool. That was something that I was like really specific Um, after having like five different internships in different kinds of companies. I realized that it's not necessarily a field that I want to chase, but it's a stage of a company that I want to chase that I would like to work at. So instead of saying I want to work in programming, I want to be a programmer. I want to work in cybersecurity. I said, I want to work at a startup that is this level 
that has this kind of benefits that still, you know, has like all, you know, health insurance and da 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 and, you know, all that great stuff. But I also want it to be like something that is new enough where the culture is something that I can impact. So last year during the uh, protests for uh, the murder of George Floyd um, was my first internship with Tanium. And during there, like literally on the first day, the protests had started. Um, and they were just so understanding. They were so understanding to everything. Like within the within one week, the words blacklist and whitelist were wiped out. Like, and they had already replaced everything. And even when I came back a year later and I noticed, you know, in a weird repository somewhere that those two words were still used, like I, I put it in the diversity chat and there were 10 seniors executives like who were like, let's get this fixed ASAP. And then there was, you know, one of the culture managers was like, thank you so much, Vishaka, for speaking out about this. We are constantly striving to do better. And I'm like, wow, there's no better place I would like to work. They have a diversity chat? Yes, we have a diversity channel. What? We don't have a it's so cool. That is great. So, I, I mean, I, I wonder if that's like a, like a startup sort of thing, like a startup – environment um he's a computer science engineer and he's like 10 years older than me so he's like been through it he's like a university of michigan computer science engineer grad and he's like way smarter than me um and he's like a tech startup founder as well except he's he's like (laughs) never helped me he's very like we're gonna be doing our own things Uh i can't be related to you in the tech sphere we all do the same shit but he's worked at startups too and that's basically the idea if he he like joins a company if he feels the culture fit um and if the company purpose aligns with what he does and then he goes for it instead of being like i want to work at jp morgan chase because it's jp morgan chase and i know that i'm going to get a six-figure salary which is like everyone who's a computer science grad Mm -hmm. thinks that way it's crazy no yeah i think it's makes such a difference when the company you work at has similar values to you and is diverse and values diversity not just like puts it on their website like once a year you know (laughs) so I love that so like I love that you chase those you know that company culture more than you do like a company name or status you know yeah absolutely. that's really good advice like shit I want a google games hackathon I could work at google if I wanted but do I want to work at Google? No. <laughs> yeah, it's it has to do a lot with like the impact that you're that you're making, and when that aligns with your personal values, it's just like you just go full in and you give it your all. <laughs> I bet the same way. Like I bet she really enjoys seeing make meaningful like infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You know, like what pe- people go after the jobs or like fall into it for different reasons like who knows maybe you'll find your reason like 40 years into the job and then you're like holy shit this is why <laughs> yeah time, time to make a change yeah <laughs> totally <laughs> so going back to i guess your college experience or you also mentioned how you were in um did you say google hackathon like i want to hear more about mm-hmm. your college experience kind of how did you how was engineering school or wait was it engineering or was it just computer science they put the engineering school in a different building and had mm-hmm. them as a different college and then put, like science with math and we're like computer science and math are the same thing so they're going to be together <laughs> 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 but, 
Yeah, so tell us a little bit more about that experience. How was that? How was that? How was being a woman um, in this field or in this major? Yeah, so I was uh, pretty much always like the only girl in my class, or if there were any other girls, it'd be like one or two. Um, I've like, I'm still in college, and that's because I fucking hate college. Like, college is so stupid, especially in tech. I'm just like, I really don't need to go to college for this job. Like, I genuinely don't. There is no reason for me to, like, go to college if I can go to boot camp, if I can, like, learn online for free, like, everyone else does in all these other countries. It's just U.S. is so weird and requires all these degrees. Um, but, yeah, college was a really weird experience for me. Um, I had to transfer. I am currently thinking about dropping out. Like it was really hard at my first college. First, the transfer process from going from opera to computer science was ridiculous. And they were like, no, you can't switch from opera to computer science. And I was like, I can do it. I'm smart. And they were like, oh, you can't. I was like, I've been doing this for like, yo, just check out all my tumblers and like social media. Like, I've been doing this. <laughs> Code, I promise. I can tell you what a forward was right now. Uh, but uh, yeah, the process of switching in was hard in itself. And it took like a year and a half. So that was really discouraging. And even along the process, it's like you're going to these counselors and whatnot, and people are constantly like saying, I don't think this is a smart idea for you. I think you should transfer into the business school instead. Like everyone always saying that to me, whether it's because of the way I speak. For some reason, um, people think because I speak eloquently that the only thing I'm good at is business. When in reality, in realidad, the reason that I speak eloquently is because I'm a performer and I was an opera singer. So I was taught how to speak and perform and front of people all the time whether that's on a stage or in a boardroom and that's why I'm good at speaking but that shouldn't mean that I'm not good at other things and that was a thing that was like kept frustrating me I was like you guys keep saying that I should be a business major like cool but what about what I want um and then when I finally like got into it um a professor grabbed my titties in class and other students saw it happen and emailed me like to my school email and it was like hey I saw this professor, grab your titties in class. Are you okay? Like, you should report it. He's touched my neck during exams and he like constantly hovers over me. And it makes me feel uncomfortable because we're like the only two girls in the class. And this man like grabbed my titties on Diwali, on Diwali, with Diwali, by the way, if you don't know, is basically Hindu Christmas, but it's like the biggest celebration of the year. And it celebrates like, like coming back to the cities and all these things. It's just a gorgeous holiday. There were like very few students in class that day and I was like the only Hindu girl in class that day everyone else was gone I had went up to the class like to the front of the class to ask him if I could leave early for like the on-campus Indian Students Association Diwali like party and when I was up there like he said hey how are you grabs my titties and I'm like what the fuck why are you grabbing my titties and I like stepped back and I was like hey. and then I walked away um but it was so ridiculous that experience I emailed the president of my university immediately um I had proof I had witness proof from the I literally had written proof from other students that he had assaulted me and like they literally did nothing they gaslit me um because I was underage I was 17 when the time like I joined university. Um, I when I joined university when I was 17, I like went to counseling at the counseling center because I was 
because my friend, ugh, this is so, my best friend in Detroit had like committed suicide oh, so in the first like month that I was in college. And so I had went to the counseling center to get help. <laughs> like my teachers were like, Vishaka, go get help. So I did. But because I was 17, they had to keep my records open because I was underage and my parents weren't there. So they had to keep my records open because HIPAA didn't apply yet. And I was also like, uh, sexually abused by my biological mom for like 10 years of my life. So in those counseling sessions, it came up like, cause like I'm going through it. Like I just moved out of the house, right. you know, So fast forward to when I'm filing this assault complaint, they're saying, Oh, but see, we think you have sexual trauma because you were assaulted for 10 years of your life. And we know this because it's in the school records. So I think you should like not chase this because if this was brought up in a court of law, like you could be, like, no one's going to believe you. Like, no one believes you. And, like, it literally they did nothing. And I was just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, these were two women saying this to me. Like, I was just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And you call this office the the, oppor- the equal opportunities office? Like, the office for diversity. Like, I was just- it's all bullshit. <laughs> literally, universities are, the like, the worst. And they, it's, like, their job to cover it up and gaslight you it's like they get trained to like gaslight sexual assault victims because they don't want anything to come out about their university like i just literally i'm so i get so upset when i hear about that and it happens to so many people for real it was really sad because the president of my university is an indian woman like she is literally an indian immigrant i was like what I'm sending you, Miss Renu Couture, an email saying that one of your your old white male professor Howden Brown is lit- had literally grabbed my titties in class, and a student had seen it. Send me an email, like, and you're not doing anything, and you're not doing anything. I took a semester off from school because I was like, I can't do this. Like, I just I can't. Do it. it was way too much. I couldn't sit back on campus. Like, it was, it was just a lot. Um, I transferred universities to the adjacent downtown campus, right? Because I was like, I I have trauma from going to the main campus. Let me go to the downtown campus. It's technically a different university. I had to transfer. I had to do all the stuff. The first semester that I'm there, a Mr. A professor named Mr. Zane. Oh, my God. No, Mr. Ahmed. (laughs) Mr. Moyes Ahmed. This guy stalked me and followed me to Denver and announced to the whole class that he was single. He didn't have a girlfriend. He didn't have a wife. And he could come with me to Denver. I had literally only told my professors that I was going on this trip because it was for an internship. Like, I was going to go visit Adobe Engineering, like, in Denver. And my friend who works there was like, come, da-da-da, stay in my house. Like, I want you to see my team and all this stuff. So I was like, Awesome. I am so excited. Like, I went to go ask my programming professors for anything I should ask for or advice, like letting them know that I might be like um, uh, asking them for recommendations and whatnot. And like, literally, he was like, Oh, what, when are you going? Like, da, 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 asking me questions. Then he, <laughs> then he like emails me his phone number. And then the day that I'm supposed to go on this trip, he announces to the entire class, He's like, Vishaka, where are you going? Has me announced to everyone where I'm going. Then he goes, Oh, I'm also going to be in Denver. Then my friend who knew that he was stalking me was like, Why are you going to Denver? And he was like, He had literally announces to the entire class, I don't have a girlfriend. I'm single. Like, I can do whatever I want. I'll see you there, Vishaka. Like he, this man got fired after this. So that was like so blatant in front of like 30 plus students. So that was like Mm -hmm. very obvious. Goodness. uh, 
yeah, the fact that that happened then, I was just like, this is ridiculous. And I really did not want to go back. And then coronavirus happened and everything went work from home. And I'm truly grateful, truly grateful. But now that things are going back to normal, I'm like, do I want to drop out? Like, yeah. I have a job. Like, I have a company. Like, I monetize. Like, I really do not want to go back to school. Especially if it's that type of environment. And I mean... To that, I would say my unsolicited advice is like finish it online or find a way to like finish it online. Like, yeah, you don't need it, but it's like you worked for it so hard. You fought for it so hard. I mean, I would just, I would try to finish it, but I mean, you don't need it either. Someone who dropped out and then uh, like went, like used his undergrad credits toward his master's in business and then just got his MBA without, like as a high school dropout. Mm -hmm. So I'm just like, you know, or not a school dropout, a college undergrad dropout. Mm-hmm. He like just went and got his MBA with his remaining credits. So I'm just like, okay, I might do that. That's a great option. <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad that you're um, offering that as an option because I'm sure there are other people who might be feeling the same way, might have had a similar experience. And it's like, hey, this is something that you could use with all the credits that you've already, I guess, paid for. Absolutely, yeah. So I'm, I'm really hoping that happens. Whatever happens, it'll be good for sure. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just grateful that I'm in a position where I had enough experience that I could get a job mm-hmm. without graduating yet. Um, yeah, that's just not a lot of people are, are that privileged. So I'm just genuinely grateful, and I just want to like pass it on and try to help as many people as I can and share the knowledge. Because, damn, like, I, like so many people in tech look like me, like they're Indian, like Asian people and white people rule tech and STEM primarily. So I'm just, I'm grateful that I was able to get through it, but there are so many people who don't look like me who are going through the same issues that like, shit, they could really use this knowledge like to advocate for themselves. People don't even know that they could be an advocate for themselves. Most people just like are taught that other people like have to stand up for them. Mm -hmm. or that like it's not valid especially women are told that it's like whatever you're saying isn't valid just because you're saying it about yourself like it's only valid if someone else is saying it about you and that's why I feel like guys get farther because it's like guys are always like putting each other out on a limb for each other when it's like in our spaces there aren't like many girls around there to like put out on a limb for right yeah totally I mean I'm I'm really sorry that you had to experience all of that like Damn. And the fact that you overcame all of that and you were still landing like internships and positions and like getting your whole job experience out there. And you were like, forget school. Let me focus on what's like what really matters. It's like those jobs and that 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 real experience. Like good for good for you. Like I that's impressive. I'm I'm impressed. That's that's really great to hear this shit i'm just gonna do a semester long internship like literally when i took off for a semester i was just like i'm just gonna work like no one can tell me not to right clearly they're still hiring you they they're giving you the experience that you need at the end of the day it's like that's that's what you end up putting on that like resume or like what you talk about during interviews it's like the real experience that you're able to like obtain so absolutely i've learned so much my internship than i ever did Mm -hmm. thanks Wow. And yeah, I'm sorry as well that you had to go through that. And thank you for being brave enough to share that. I mean, that's really hard too to like share that online or with anyone. So thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. 
took me so long to even just be vocal about I mean, what sometimes seems like little issues, but be vocal about my experiences and the fact that you've been able to do that with yours, it's impre- impressive. I'm honestly like really impressed. So thank you for doing that work and like showing other women uh, that they can and they should be doing the same for themselves. It's really sick. Absolutely. I actually made a tweet about it. Um, this, this is a really funny viral? thing, but kind of, it went semi-viral. I got like 3,000 to 5,000 retweets and stuff, like tens of thousands of likes. Um, there was like articles written about it, but I made this whole tweet thread about how the University of Houston had failed me. And through it, a student at the University of Houston downtown followed me and she's like a MIS major, which is management information systems, which is similar to computer science. It's like the business version of computer science. And fast forward, like two years later, she's my assistant at Davy Cartel. So I oh, founded nice. an influencer agency um, because, and like, I just got so annoyed of just like complaining about how I didn't see any representation. That once I started like monetizing myself through OnlyFans, and I started producing my own photo shoot content, where I was like, I want to see like other girls produce similar content, and I was like, I want to help like other influencers monetize the way I did because it's not fair. Like again, I was like, I've been doing this shit since I was thirteen. Like I understand how social media works and whatnot. Like this is because I was privileged enough to have a phone and Wi-Fi and like all these things. Like. I like want to share this information. At first I made this like two hour seminar video that I was just like selling for like 20 bucks. Um, And cause like, I don't know with OnlyFans, you can't really like put a lot of this stuff up on YouTube. So I was like selling it, but then I was like, you know what? I could, I could go over the top with this shit. Like I could, I could do something with this. Make a whole business for it. Dead ass. And now I make like, now I have a whole business that makes like five figures every month. Like I'm very, very, very happy with it. Um, I never like, it's, it's actually weird. So my parents are like super, like they don't want to hear anything about this part of my life. The only part of my life that they care about and they want to hear about is the Tanium, like cybersecurity, technical account manager, good cd sadi lardiki like good by the way <laughs> that means like straight like straight and narrow girl um like the fits the mold and stuff so they like don't even like to hear like they don't want to hear about baby cartel they don't want to hear about only fans they're like that person does not exist like my dad sort of was like so Shock, that person does not exist like do not come into this house and start talking about that because like, no one is gonna talk to you about yeah. that it's very it's like, common in brown households yeah um, yeah. So it's like crazy that I've like gotten like to this level of success literally all by myself. And like, I can't even talk about it at home. Like I'm at my parents' place right now and I'm huddled out in like their upstairs media room where there are no like doors or windows or anything. And I'm like, I hope no one hears me. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> are you still based in uh, Houston? Yeah. Yeah. My parents are like out of town. So I'm watching my grandparents right now. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Tell us about your entrepreneur journey. Like you've been a former tech startup founder and now you're the CEO of Davy Cartel. What are some things that you learned and are still maybe learning as a business owner? Positioning is so important. Positioning is so important. What do you mean by positioning? Positioning, aka like understanding what your end goal is before you even embark on the journey position yourself for success mm. um, kind of thing. Like a lot of times, 
especially when it comes to a business, you always hear people say like, just do, don't think. The longer you spend thinking, the more money you're losing out on because actions speak. Um, but a lot of times, like, I don't know, I have ADD. I'm also like, I'm bipolar and I have borderline personality disorder. Um, very mentally ill right here, but um, I can be very impulsive if I'm manic. So I try to like take a step back and be like, okay, don't do as much, Bishaka. And just like position yourself, like try to figure out, like it, I get, I have so much inspiration. I have so much ideas. Like at any given point, I could like pull out like 10 different photo shoot concepts out in my ass that of like, I've never done before. Um, and it's really easy to just like act on like a puff of smoke and fairy dust, but it's like, okay, what is that puff of smoke and fairy dust going to go? Like, are we trying to like go somewhere? Or are we trying to like do something? Um, so I have to like figure out what my goal is before I like do anything. And then I do it. And that's something that I learned at the accelerator because it was, it would be like, okay, if you're going to be pitching for your startup at a showcase and you're going to make a pitch deck, like you have to position it. You, what is the, like work from the last slide and then go back. You want to ask the question first and give the answer, right? Or sometimes you want to give the answer first and then give the question, like what's going to be best for you kind of thing. So I was just like, you know what, before I do, like, even though this isn't a tech startup, like this is a media company. This is an influencer company. I manage people who manage social media accounts and monetize pages and platforms. So let me like figure out what I want to do and then implement it. I think that's really good advice. And yeah, you do most commonly hear just do it, you know, like don't think, don't think too much about it. But I like your take on, you know, knowing the end goal, because at the end of the day, like if you don't have that end goal, especially when it comes to like content creation, it's like, how do you monetize that? You know, it's so like easy to just create, create, create and just like hope, oh, maybe you'll get these deals or something. But for you to be able to create a company out of it is something completely different and then monetize that as an influencer agency, I think is amazing. I think it's awesome that you've been able to do that. And oh my God, what you just said to like create something and then monetize off it. Like this is the number one thing I tell my girls at this agency. Like all, like some of these girls have like tens of thousands. Like one of my girls has like 80,000 followers on Twitter. Like these girls are huge. They have amazing aesthetics. Like they are beautiful. They know what they're doing. They create art and I can never take that away from them. But if there's one thing I say is like clout does not equal money. Like I do not care how much followers this aesthetic has gotten you or the way that you take these iphone pictures have gotten you clout does not equal money and just because something is popular in your age group does not mean it's going to get you money like or you know like you can't you can't just like bank everything off of like i'm going to go viral once and like this is going to work and like that's how it's going to be i'm going to make hella money off of it and like i'm going to be set for life like that's not how it works like you really have to be intentional with the content you're creating the way you put it out the way that translates into money or clicks or like whatever you however you want to say it i'm sure you guys think about this at the podcast right how do you take someone from like just seeing uh inspirational instagram posts to click looking at the bio to seeing oh shit they have a podcast like let me go and look up their podcast and then like going from there right and then maybe going to the summit and like all these gotta be strategic and intentional about it absolutely definitely I mean, your time is money, so you got to be smart with it. Facts. I was like, dude, I have 24 hours in a day. Like, I have school. <laughs> Not enough. By the way, like, 
I'm not done with school. Like I have to still figure out if I want to go back to school, or if I want to drop out. And like, if I do want to go back to school, I have to somehow fit it in my schedule. But um, yeah, like there are only 24 hours in a day and you can like, once you prioritize the things that fulfill you, right? Like for me, it's like my cat, my dog, I like to smoke weed. <laughs> you know, I prioritize my cat, my dog's weed, sleeping and ordering on Uber Eats. That's really like my bread and butter right there. I prioritize that shit. And then I'm like, okay, maybe I have 10, eight hours, nine, 10 hours left in the day that I can like do shit with. And then I have to say, okay, like what is the most, like what is most beneficial in every day? I'll just sit there and I'll be like, okay, today is it better to make all this TikTok content? Is it better to spend the day making sure my OnlyFans is good? Is it better to spend the day catching up on my work stuff? Is it better to spend the day doing all my bills and cleaning the apartment? At one point I literally was like, Vishaka, you are blowing money cleaning your own apartment. It is cheaper to hire a maid than it is to try and clean your apartment, get stressed out because I have OCD and I'm bipolar. So I get like stressed out if things aren't in the right space. So like I would, I think I like counted that I would spend like an hour or two every day just tidying things up around the house. Like at least an hour, like I'd be on a call and I'd be like cleaning up, like in the call, like picking up after my dog and my cat, cleaning litter box, whatever. And I was like, Vishaka, you are literally wasting time by managing your OCD like this. Like you don't need to be cleaning up every day. Like, and this is something that I also accomplished by going to therapy and journaling and stuff like that. But I was like, literally you can just find a maid, find a maid, like pay her her money like once or twice a week, like once a week, once every other week and like use that time on something else. And then I actually allocated time for that time that I was saving. And then I was like, I'm going to go make another business. So I started another business. I do drop shipping as well. Um, and yeah, like that's how I try to be really intentional about my time. I'll like try and like, I don't know, not almost treat myself as a product, but I'm all, I am a product. Like I'm always trying to evolve into a better version of myself. So if I can like record that, then I can be a better version of myself. How do you manage like work and, you know, your entrepreneurial, uh, your businesses and your, your hobbies and your cat and your dog? And it's very important. <laughs> it's like, how do you manage your time? But I mean, it seems like you kind of have it pretty, you have it down the way you want to manage your energy. Not so much just like the time, but it's like, okay, what am I really feeling? Why can I go 100% at right now? So I don't really like waste my time kind of thinking about other things or like procrastinating. I try to allocate like, so in my head, I already like know that every Tuesday, Thursday, every Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday at noon, I have to make an Instagram post. Like, I don't know, like it's just ingrained in my head. Like those are at noon, like I have to make those posts on those days, period. Like I wake up in the morning, I look at my phone, I'm like, it's a Tuesday at 11.45, I got a line on my Instagram post. Like, I don't know. It's just like, I think it's, uh, someone said, this guy I was seeing was like, Shaka, your mental illness is your superpower. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know how I feel about that, dude. Like, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, he said it in such a weird way. He was like, Vishaka, like, I don't know why you consider yourself mentally ill. Like, you do so well. <laughs> shut the fuck up, bro. <laughs> like, shut the fuck up and get out of my apartment right now. <laughs> like, you sound like a douche. Um, but I, like... I don't know. I feel like I'm very obsessive. Like I have OCD and I am like a very obsessive person. And I used to be like this incredibly flawed individual. Like everyone, I mean, I still am, but like everyone hated me. Like understand that like I was one of the most hated people in school. Everyone was like, Vishaka is so fucking annoying. She's so loud. Like 
whatever I would do, I'd be good at it. And that just made people more annoying. Like, like, <laughs> like how is this girl like, so good? <laughs> but then they'd be like, she's so loud. And like, at the, I mean, I wasn't, and like, I don't know, like, I wasn't like me. Like, I was like 50, 60 pounds heavier. Like, I had hella pimples. Like, I had cystic acne. Like, I wasn't attractive. I was like fat. Like, I don't know. People didn't like me. I was like Indian, but I wasn't, I didn't have an accent, but I was Indian. Um, and I looked Hispanic, but like, my name sounded black and like all the white people were like, what's going on? Like I moved to Texas. I moved to Austin, Texas from Detroit and I was thick. And so everyone like wanted to treat me a specific way. Like everyone just like hated me. Like everyone always like did not like Vishaka cause she was obnoxious. And I'll admit like I was very, very, very obnoxious. I was like one of those like super ADHD kids that no one liked that all the teachers like sent home or put in detention or that kind of stuff. But I feel like, as I grew up, I took those aspects of myself and I didn't necessarily turn them back or turn them away or negate them or hate myself for having those aspects. I was just like, I, society isn't fucking with these aspects of yourself. Like clearly, <laughs> clearly like four States later, like <laughs> multiple moves later, like everyone's still treating me the same. Like, shit, like I got to change something up. My parents are like fed up with me. They're like, no one wants to talk to you, Vishaka. I was like, shit, okay, let me try and figure this thing out. <laughs> and then so instead of like being like, Vishaka, you're a terrible person. Cause I'd be doing that sometimes. Like my brain just like automatically reverts to like, you're being terrible or you're being great. Like mm-hmm. maybe that's also like a trauma immigrant thing or it's like, you know, you're being a good child, like good butcha, you know, right. really good like that. But I was just like, these are aspects of myself. I can't change them. Let me try to channel them into things. So um, when I was like, this was before I knew I was bipolar too. So I've like, I've been bipolar ever since I was a child. And I like bipolar people go through these episodes called like mania and depression. Um, mania is when you have so much energy, so much energy. You're like talking through the roof, like hundred miles a minute. You can like, you you can black out when you're manic and just like not remember six months of your life and you'll wake up in your bed and be like, holy fucking shit. Why is, why am I $17,000 in debt? And like, why am I on the other side of the world? Like bipolar is scary. Um, But when I was a child or bipolar can be scary, but when I was a child, I, I was still bipolar, but like, I didn't know I was bipolar and I would be manic, but like, I was just a hyper obnoxious child when I was my manic mm-hmm. and um, in high school, I actually like channeled that into music when I was like super manic and obsessive. Instead, I would be super manic and obsessive over music. And I would like, I mean, shit, I, I placed like number two in the state for singing that year and stuff like that too. So it, it like works out. It worked out. I, I music instruments. Like I was, I'm, wrote symphonies when I was 16 and I was performing them like with my entire high school orchestra and stuff. Like it was incredible. Um, even, even Mozart was bipolar. Like they say geniuses are crazy sometimes, but I feel like I just like channeled the like obsessive part of my psyche into being obsessive about things that matter to me. Mm -hmm. So even now, like when I'm drunk or if I'm shrooming, like I love psychedelics, like if I'm doing shrooms, or I'm drunk or whatever, and my friends are over, like one of my friends, DeSanti, we're like we're really good friends. We're both also workaholics. Like we're both very passionate about what we do. And when, we're, when we get intoxicated, like we just start talking about work. Why? Because we are passionate about the things we do. Like, mm-hmm. and there's 
like that's just what I channeled all of my energy into is the things that I'm passionate about. And therefore, like my energy is no longer obnoxious or over the top. It's like pure passion. I love that. That's so interesting. That's really great that you're able to channel that or transform or fully embrace yourself in that sort of like direction with intention. I mean, it's it's really great that you were able to see that. When did you find out that you were bipolar? When, when were you diagnosed officially? August 2020, last year. Like literally a year ago. Wow. I my wow. So yeah. you have been living with it for so many years and only found out about it just last year. Yeah. It was absolutely psychotic. Actually, my brother like knew. He knew a little bit like because my biological mom has bipolar, but I like haven't talked to her since I was 10. Like I didn't grow up with her. But my, I guess my brother was like, I think she has bipolar as well. But like no one's going to grow up and tell their little sister you have bipolar. <laughs> like, right. Just, You're crazy. <laughs> I love you're crazy. Like no one's gonna do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, they say like uh, also like people who have dyslexia, for example, or ADHD, other neurodivergent person people, like people who are on the autism spectrum and stuff like that. Like there are so many ways that they are able to channel the way that their brain works into something positive. Like people who are neurodivergent who have ADHD, like a lot of them become athletes and they're able to take something that, you know, maybe a disability or like something that can hinder them and turn it into something that makes them powerful. It just depends if the surroundings that you're in at the time of the discovery nurture you or hinder you. And I think that's really important too. It's like um, at that point, like my parents like weren't really supportive when I got diagnosed. I mean, they were supportive about the diagnosis. They weren't supportive about me doing OnlyFans. And they thought that I was doing OnlyFans because I was bipolar. Like It was just this whole mamma jamma. And then I was like, y'all, like that is not the case. Those are two very separate things. Y'all can't say this shit like that. <laughs> wrong. Like y'all are being really stickler, bad brown parents. Like you're being those like really strict immigrant parents right now. Like take take your head out of that pointing fingers and calling other people bad Mm -hmm. for things you don't understand business. It's kind of like in the Quran. In the Quran, they say a prostitute who prays 10 times a day is more holy than a, you know, normal businessman who doesn't pray at all and spits on the poor, right? Like she is a prostitute, but she is still more holy than the man who doesn't do shit, but looks good to society. Like, and I think that's the case as well. Like you kind of just have to I think that's the case for all neurodivergent people as well. It's like you're kind of like told like dyslexic kids are told that like they're not good enough or they're not going to be smart. People who have ADHD are told that they're they can't read a book, that they're not going to be smart in school either, that that they're disruptive to the other students. That was me like in second grade and elementary school all throughout middle school. I was told that I was the disruptive student and I would get calls like all the time to my parents like they were like, please take please remove this girl from public school. (laughs) Please like please do not send her back. but it's like if you're being taught that 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 you're wrong versus like kids are told that they are wrong or that they're being bad versus this is just not accepted in the society or in like the environment that you're like currently in. And here is like, here's what you're supposed to look like. Please just know that you're not wrong for that and that you can take this energy and put it into something else like. I think that is so important or even changing the learning environments to help and better suit the kid, like all kinds of kids with all different kinds of like learning ab- abilities. I think that's like really important too. imagine how many more STEMIs we would have and engineers we would have if 
people with uh, different neurodivergencies were being taught the same things everyone else was in like equally instead of being marginalized and just put in this like separate box just because they don't act the, the way they're expected to there are so many geniuses who are just thrown into special needs. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? In older civilizations, autistic people were known as the historians because their brains were able to understand and comprehend data and historical data so much better than ours. So in different and earlier civilizations, like people with neurodivergencies were like appreciated and they were like, the, the society kind of didn't like necessarily evolve around them, but like they included them in society and like actually like literally included them in society. I think that's so like important. And the yeah. fact that like through industrialization and stuff, when efficiency is more important than applying people and, you know, their intellect and their abilities, like then that gets wiped away and efficiency is it's like people are valuing efficiency more than like ability. Right. Wow, you're like preaching right now. I really hope that like people just let all of this knowledge and just emotion and intention like sink in because this is really awesome. And I'm really happy that we were having you on today. Um, I mean, I know you're like, I mean, you've been saying a lot of important stuff, but if you had to give advice to like someone who was looking to pursue a similar their major career path as you or even like in in the business environment or as an influencer what kind of advice would you give them what is the that intersection that you found in in your careers yeah ooh i feel like your circumstance does not dictate your future uh, that's like the one thing that i can say and it kind of ties into everything i have been saying cuz i genuinely feel like as someone who is marginalized, like I'm a queer woman of color who is disabled. That's like fun shit to be, um, but like, <laughs> but like learning about where I can succeed and like the different ways that I can like, once I turn away that idea that like I am put in the circumstance and I just like, I know some people are put in different circumstances that I won't be able to understand. So I, I mean this in the least condescending way. Like once you remove yourself from your circumstance and you truly begin to appreciate yourself for the person that you are with the abilities that you were given, and then you can go and do something with your life. It's kind of like loving someone. You can't love someone until you love yourself because you don't even know what parts of yourself to give the person that you are trying to love. It's the same for when you're trying to apply yourself. Like you can't like fully apply yourself unless you accept every single aspect of yourself and accept it for its beauty and the bads of it. And then you can assess, be like, this is what I can use this part of myself for. This is like the most beneficial way that this part of myself can be utilized. And this is how I can help the world with it. Cause every one of us was put here like, for one reason, whatever, you know, whether it's God or science or whatever the fuck it is, whatever dimensional shit you want to physics, bring the next the next person on here, make them an astrophysicist, please. Because I would like to know too. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, thanks so much for sharing that. And everything that you have shared, you know, with us today on the podcast, like I've learned a lot, you know. We don't, I don't think we've had anybody talk about like mental disabilities on the podcast before either. So just like hearing your perspective and how you dealt with all of those like 
challenges and, you know, overcame that to who you are today. I think it's, I think it's beautiful <laughs> and you're really strong and brave. Yeah, for sharing your story. So I love that. But do you have any future plans or anything the listeners can look out for? Yes. Okay. So this is something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time. I have started and restarted my YouTube channel so many times with all these different kinds of content. I've made like blockchain and makeup content. I really didn't like that because I don't like makeup that much. So I had to scrap that concept, even though it's like really smart, you know, doing makeup and like maybe one of my influencers at the AB Cartel will do that. Maybe I'll sign a techie and maybe we'll put out content like that. But um, I don't know. I'll be doing something with my YouTube, whether it's going to be helping marginalized folks uh, gain some kind of of benefit like in this world and society or if it's just sharing my ancient knowledge of yoga and uh, my you know journey of being spiritual or whether it's my journey of unlearning the bias that i've developed in this brown body as a neurodivergent person in america but i i don't know what i'll be doing but i'll be doing something impactful with it so it is in my website before we wrap up, like, let us know all the like the links, the socials, where can we find you? Where can everyone connect with you? Absolutely. So it's davycartel.com, D-E-V-I-C-A-R-T-E-L.com. Um, join the cartel. We have amazing things coming up. The first 10 people that I'm signing are all going to be sex workers. The next 10 people that I'm signing are all going to be queer influencers. I'm really excited. That's fun. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I'm so excited excited to see it. Well, thanks y'all for having me on here. This is like an amazing chat and I've been like waiting to do this for a year and hardly ever I feel like is there space to talk about things other than just like grades and resume and like how to get a job and like stuff in engineering because like let's be real people in engineering are like put out to be these perfect individuals who can like balance and handle anything and I feel like we all have all of this like expectations and stress to like be the perfect person at all times that like let's take a step back and be the perfect person for ourselves right oof that was that was good (laughs) yeah thank you so much yeah, and it's so easy to just be like, oh, engineering and put yourself in that box, right? And I, I don't like doing that at all. So I'm really glad that we talked about everything that makes who you are because that's equally as important. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited. And yeah, I mean, hopefully we can get you back on like at a later date. Um, and you know, catch up again. Heck yeah. Thank you. Thank you, girl. Bye, y'all. Okay, everyone, that was it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to leave us a review, share it with your friends, and if you're able to, you can also support us by leaving a small donation at anchor.fm slash engineering gals. We'll talk to you next Monday. Bye.